Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Dana Perino, less than 10 feet away from me, happening in real time. Found out she was in Indiana just 10 days ago, hobnobbing with the people, visiting with Garth Brooks. Did you get a private uh, meeting with, with Garth? I did not. But you were there. But it, it, I think we, I think we had eye contact at right. some point during the concert. He plays Notre Dame. He plays the stadium, first stadium a tour show ever there. Freezing cold. Freezing cold. Pouring rain. Uh, it even started snowing right before the concert. And when you see Indiana in all of its full color glory on December second, because the concert was taped for CBS and they're re-airing, right. they're airing it on. December 2nd, people were in green ponchos, yellow ponchos. It looked like a, a bowl of Trix cereal in, in the middle of the pouring rain. No one left. Everyone knew all the words. He played for two and a half hours. It right. was one of the best nights I've ever had. Tony Katz today, 833-GOT-TONY is the number, 833-468-8669. That is Dana Perino. You know her from Fox. You know her from The Five. You know her from The Daily Briefing. Here in Indianapolis, my beloved city, uh, she'll be broadcasting live from here. I will be on with her in just a little bit. You can tune that in. You're on at 2 o'clock, right? 2 p.m. Eastern. That's that's, right. that's how that works there. Um, I want to dig in on some of the things that we're seeing in, in the midterms. Um, because now as someone who has lived the inside the White House experience in a way that very few people have, uh, and now to be in uh, the news business in a, a perspective that very few people have, especially in the incivility conversations that we keep hearing about, we keep talking about, uh, these midterms are still incredibly tight. Uh, I start with Kavanaugh effect. Was there a Kavanaugh effect, and do you believe it's still in existence? Well, let me back up because one of the reasons I'm here in Indiana is because this is going to be the state to watch on election night. Of all the Senate races that are close, this one is the closest. And so we wanted to come here. There's so many interesting things happening here. Um, it's a really wonderful state. I had a great time in South Bend, Indiana. Despite the weather, um, I would return. Garth Brooks Everything in Indiana is despite the weather. weather. Yeah, it's kind of like what I we know. do. I know. Well, look, I grew up in Wyoming and Colorado where it's sunshine, but like cold often. Uh, Garth Brooks says he's going to end his stadium tour back at Notre Dame. I guess that's in three years, so you can you can plan ahead. Um, was there a Kavanaugh effect? I think there's no doubt. In, prepar in preparing for this opportunity to come to Indianapolis and do the show here and talking to as many people as I could, um, they say that there was a definite change in momentum for the Republicans coming together, deciding, okay, we're going to have to back President Trump, back the Republicans, and this midterm is really important for these types of reasons. Um, has the Kavanaugh effect worn off? I don't know. And you, uh, you do start to see some of that across the country, perhaps not in the Senate races, uh, but for the con congressional districts, the House districts, the Kavanaugh effect is wearing off a bit. When you take a look at what people are talking about, what's moving people uh, in, in, in the polls, uh, here in Indiana, there has been so many conversations about health care. You've had Joe Donnelly, uh, the, the Senate Democrat, the incumbent, talking about how proud he is to be the vote that saved pre-existing conditions. He was the vote that, that made Obamacare happen, but that's how he's been engaging the kind of uh, of that amazing, play. just for, you know, uh, five, six years later, yeah. how that turned around? And, but I'm more amazed that it is the front and center subject. I, I'm not uh -huh. wrong on that. Like, is there something not, else you've seen? I'm not surprised, partly because in covering this midterm from the beginning, I have some Democrat friends that come on the show, the Daily Briefing show, and um, they're kind enough to respond to my texts and emails when they're not on the show. And I ask them, you know, what are you focused on? 
And from the very beginning, they decided healthcare was the issue, not just because they wanted to stick it to Republicans on pre-existing conditions, but because they saw in all of their polling, it was the number one issue across almost every state. Healthcare still remains the number one issue. I feel like Republicans have been uh, caught on their, back on their heels a little bit. Um, they don't explain themselves well when it comes to pre-existing conditions and their protections for them. This lawsuit that's happening in Texas right now that the Justice Department is backing has given the Democrats a really big open. So in the Senate debate that Indiana had last night, a lot of talk about health care. But you're not alone. This is replicated all across the country. What's number two? If healthcare is the top subject, talking to Dana Perino, Perino, sorry, of Fox News, you can catch her on the five, the daily briefing. I will be on with her at two o'clock today. You should watch, and you should be watching all the time, and then you should buy the books because Jasper's <laughs> adorable. Um, what is the number two subject people are talking That's about? That's where it's not the same all across the board. Some in some places it's jobs and the economy. However. The economy is doing so well, and really presidential elections are where you see people focus in on the economy as the number one issue that they care about. Midterm elections are much more about churning out your base. Sometimes they're character elections. Um, President Trump is not number two on the list, but he's eh, sometimes three or four. Immigration is somewhere around there. But the health of the economy is still lumped into this health care question. Is Trump on the ballot? 100%. And I remember when I was at the White House and we were heading into 2006 to that midterm where uh, the president lost the Republican majorities, um, we tried to say that the midterm was not a referendum on the president. And that's not true. Right. And, you know, and the president knows it's a referendum on him. That's why he has worked his tail off. He is a tireless campaigner. It's one of the things he loves to do the most. It is helping, I think, in some places for him to turn out the vote. You know that a lot of 40 percent of the vote will already have been in by the, the time early voting day. is flat out out of control and one of the interesting things is that republicans have bought into the concept this yes. is this is they the year of, ad- of adoption for right. sure but the problem for republicans is uh, republicans are typical reliable voters they, they vote on election day they'll turn out they think of it as a duty um Democrats have figured out early voting long ago because they wanted to try to bank those people in because they didn't think they could get them to the polls. So Republicans now are voting earlier, but that doesn't mean that they're expanding the number of voters who are going to vote in total. And one thing that Democrats have done very well, they do it well every time, but this year in particular, is the registration of new voters. If you register a new voter, that voter is 99% likely to vote the first year that they register. And Republicans are in a deficit when it comes to registering new voters across the country. Now let's take a look at that from another direction, talking with Dana Perino, of course, uh, Fox News, uh, The Five. If you don't have, and the good news is, available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold, uh, shame on you, and uh, and, uh, Dana wants nothing to do with you. The That's flip- not very positive. Like, the book's very positive, right? so I don't want you to think. Well, you know, we're trying to sell shame here. Anyone. We're just trying to get it done. Um, the flip side of that is, with everything that you said, which is true, you talked to, uh, we had Marty Opst uh, on the show uh, just the other day, and he discussed the fact that, that Democrats have done a very good job in registrations. Here in the state of Indiana, counties have done an extremely good job of making sure they had somebody running in every position to therefore bring more people out to the polls to engage some more down-ticket, up-ticket uh, type of, of, of voting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other side of it is, even with all of that, you still have, if you take the amalgamation of polls, you have the Senate leaning uh, strongly to the Republicans, and the House is a toss-up. Yep. Where, where, do, where do you take that information? What does that tell you? I think that that means that everyone's going to have to pay a lot of attention on election night. Um, I'm excited for, for it. 
it's when I was at the White House, the election times were, of course, exciting but highly stressful. Now I'm just excited, and the only thing stressful is my schedule, right? Because I, I'm not predetermining an outcome. I'm not leaning one way or the other. I'm just there to observe. So I, I think that there are a variety of ways that this could turn out on Tuesday night. Let's, you know, I, I mentioned the book, and, and, and you talked about, hey, the book is, is meant to be uplifting and the good news is honestly amazon.com let me tell you about jasper uh one of one of your other books uh you you, you're hitting everything in in the media world the civility conversation is a huge conversation Mm, i write a whole chapter on it you have lived it as well Mm -hmm. in your time as as white house press secretary you see sarah huckabee sanders up there day after day you hear the the questions that are being asked of her and how they're being asked of her you hear her responses and how she's responding this press versus white house fight not the trump versus press fight but press versus white house fight mm-hmm. has that been a factor in what we consider the incivility of today or is that standard operating procedure I think, look, I think there's always an adversarial relationship between the press and the White House. Um, it's set up to be that way. One thing that's very different for me that they, that they are dealing with now is that social media wasn't really a thing in between when I was in the White House press office 2005 to 2008. When I left on January 20th, 2009, I didn't even have a Twitter account at the time. So you think like just in eight years, how, th- how much everything changed. Um, the president also has decided that he's going to stick it to the media. So he calls himself a counterpuncher. Well, people don't like to sit back and they like to counterpunch too. I do think that the media does its best work when they are just observing and reporting what they see. That's not always going to be the case. Um, I also think that the president's use of the term fake news has uh, been detrimental for him in the long run. Like you can, you can, you can win that primary over and over again. You can win that Republican election over and over again. You might, he, it might get him to um, a re-election in 2020. Right now, I could, I would think that it will. But when you take it to another extreme of enemy of the people, it does start to have a backlash. But do, is there, is there some fact to it? I mean, we t- he is a counterpuncher, and we see this. And one of the things that we've seen from. Uh, a fair amount of news agencies, which for, for the sake of this conversation we won't name, they've decided they're going to hold their ground too, and they're going to punch back. And so now we have punch for punch going yeah. on. Nobody's willing to give an inch, and and if if you understand President Trump, he's not going to give an inch until you yeah. say, okay, I'll give an inch so first. All right. And he's never going to apologize, and they're never going to apologize. The, the chapter I wrote on my book is called Civility Lost and Found. And the three takeaways I took from it was that, one, civility is a choice. So every time I open my mouth on television, I have a platform, here I am on radio, I have a choice of how I want to conduct myself. Number two, I think about how I was raised, and I'm not somebody who could say the things that the president says about other people or that the people say about the president. I just was not raised that way. I don't want to conduct my life that way. I feel like it diminishes me if I ever act like that, so I try to swallow any sarcasm or um, something that is an insult uh, unless I get really heated, which happens just every once in a while. Um, is, it, is it Greg Gutfeld's fault? Is it all uh, Greg Gutfeld's fault? Never Greg Gutfeld's fault, but he does love it when I get mad. Um, and the third thing is that when I was White House press secretary, I would always imagine that President Bush w- was watching me from somewhere, uh, mm-hmm. either in the Oval Office or in the East Wing. And if I thought for any moment that he would not be proud of something I was going to say, I didn't say it. It was a different philosophy. It was a different approach. I think I represented him very well, and other press secretaries represent their bosses well. They're trying to explain and provide to the people what their boss is thinking and how they got to that conclusion. 
I had a very different position. And also just remember, I just think that it's not fair to compare press secretaries sometimes, especially when I was press secretary, we were a nation at war. And that just adds a right. different element and responsibility and gravity to the situation. I wasn't trying to compare. That wasn't my, my purpose. It was rather to just uh, a, a curious, because you have a view that so few people in the world have an experience that so few people in the world. I have said before, I love what I do. I do two shows a day. I do the local morning show here in Indianapolis, uh, this this syndicated show. I do other things. If I got the call today, hey, would you like to be press secretary? I couldn't be on a plane fast enough. The opportunity would be more than I could handle. Oh, my God. I, I, there's no question I would say yes. It was the best job of my life. I would tell you that 50% of my time I spent advocating and defending the president of the United States and the country and the positions of the administration. But the other 50% I spent trying to defend the access and the right of the press to cover the White House. So when you take a look at what's happening today, um, is is it worth not just the social media side, the actual relationship that you witness, that you watch, that you view between the press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and the press, I mean, to name names, the Acostas of the world, the yeah. John Carls of the world, some of the others. I don't think is- John Carl and Acosta are the same. I really okay. don't. No, I, and I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm giving some, some names. Acosta has figured that. out a way to make April a name Ryan. For I mean, we can name a, a look. Billion April people. Ryan was there when I was there too. Mm-hmm. She's got an edge. But I look. I had an approach where I, I had an answer, and if I didn't have an answer, I had a gracious way to get in and out. But that's what my boss wanted, and that's what I wanted for myself as well. Talking to Dana Perino. Of Fox News, uh, we're going to be with you uh, on the show, the Daily Briefing, yeah. Uh, at two o'clock, we're going to be talking about uh, the Indiana race. So I get a head start, and all the other people yes. who are on the panel. It's very important. It's very listen <laughs> when you have an opportunity to get the host one on one before you go on. What is it? What is the first question? So I sound like question. I know what I'm talking about. Well, I never really, I never scripted out so much. I sort of go as the spirit moves me. Um, but one of the reasons I came is I as wanted the to, spirit moves you. Yes. Was that a Halloween reference or was that sure. a Lord reference? Uh, it's. A, <laughs> I don't know which way I'll that go one was Halloween. going. I'll go with Halloween since it's in the spirit of the day. Um, I want to know from the people who are here on the ground and are closest to it because it's. You can say that it's easy to cover things from New York, but you got to get out of there and come and talk to people who are here on the ground who cover this state every day, who know very well. Um, I want to understand: is it a real toss-up? Um, and what are the variables? Um, not just the early voting, but what are the issues that people care about that they want to co- that they want to vote on? I want to understand it, the health care issue. How important is it? Tariffs is interesting to me. It plays both ways here in Indiana. And Mike Tobin of Fox News will have a package that will run during the show um, about just how some people are okay with the tariffs here in Indiana, and some people are really worried about what it could do to their um, economic well-being. Um, I'm also curious as to what you think might happen in the future. Okay, the Senate race is one thing, but at midnight on election night, you know what immediately starts happening is the 2020 election gets underway. And this Are you state, trying to scare people? Are you trying no, to make I'm them cry? I'm not scared. I want to get ready and excited because pretty soon, you know, there could be up to 35 Democrats that throw their hat in the ring for that primary. Yeah, it's going to be a show. And so Indiana's going to be a place that they want to come. Uh, that is true. And the president will be here. Look, the president won the state by 19 points. 20 points, 20 I, points. Believe I, mean, it, I believe it was, yeah. In, in some ways, you could just say it's in the bag for him, right? But we'll oh, have to see oh, what happens. This is the state that went for Bernie Sanders in the primary, right. so I don't right. have 
I don't know if I would go that the far. Pre- I'm curious. The, the Republican Party cannot take anything for granted going into 2020. It is going to be hand-to-hand combat. That right there, Dana Perino on Twitter at Dana Perino. The book and the good news is available at Amazon.com, wherever fine books are sold. The Daily Briefing, every day, 2 o'clock in the Eastern Time. And, of course, The Five, where she does her sparring, her parrying. All of the, I, I don't really know any other just, I'm just like there to keep everybody together. Oh, is that together. it? Yeah. Oh, you, you're the glue? I think, no, no, I would never say that. I, th- I would say that I'm the one who tries to find consensus amongst the group. That's Dana Perino. Uh, I'll be joining her at 2 o'clock, be uh, listening. Uh, by the way, favorite Halloween candy? Uh, it's got to be Reese's Peanut Butter Cups or some sort of Reese's Peanut Butter thing in any way. I also love a Kit Kat because you can make them last like through the day. Is it Reese's or Reese's? I say Reese's. That's exactly correct. Dana Perino gets to stay. Is that a, mid- a, is that a Midwest thing? No, no. It's a, it's a, some people just don't know how to pronounce things. Oh, yeah. Some people are very bad with the English. <laughs> Dana Perino, right there. I appreciate you. Thank Much you. more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 Got Tony is the number. 833-468-8669. Dana Perino, appreciate her very much. We didn't get into a Kanye conversation because Kanye has decided, you know what, I've been used. I've been flim-flammed. I've been horn-swoggled. I don't know what Kanye decided. I never. I don't know what's in that man's mind. I don't know what he believes or, or doesn't believe. But he has now announced that he is distancing himself from politics, saying my eyes are now wide open and now realize I've been used to spread messages I don't believe in. I'm distancing myself from politics and completely focusing on being creative. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information. What do you what do you what do you do with that? How, I, the the problem is some people got very invested into the idea of Kanye. That Kanye was 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 proof uh, that you know he's now a conservative. No, we never knew what he was. The question we asked here repeatedly was whether or not Kanye was connecting with the country on Trump. And one of the things that this message says is the idea that I've been used to spread messages I don't believe in. Who used him? He didn't say Trump used me. He didn't say Trump did this. That could come. It's Kanye. Anything could come. But people are going to build reputations. They're going to live and die on Kanye West. I want to know how much pressure that guy got. How much pressure did Kanye get from other rappers or other people talking about, hey, you got to do it right. It's important. You say this. You do that. If not, you're, you're, you're... all these sorts of things. I'm curious as to exactly how aggressive it got for him, how rough it could have been for him. So I am, uh, I can't wait to hear more. I cannot wait to hear more. Now, we've got a lot to get into. We've got a lot to get into, including what happened you may not be from Indiana, but a very interesting line got used in the Indiana Senate debate. I want to say for the record that in no way do I think that Joe Donnelly is a racist 
He's the Democratic senator. He's running for re-election. However, what I share with you, if a Republican had said, you would not be just hearing it from me first. It would be front page. New York Times, Washington Post. It would be everything. CNN and MSNBC does every last thing. You, it, it would be remarkable. Absolutely remarkable exactly how much it was covered all over the place. And Congressman Mark Meadows is up next. Uh, uh, House Freedom Caucus, Congressman North Carolina. We're going to talk about the midterms. We're going to talk about birthright citizenship. We're going to talk about what it is that Republicans are going to do, win the House or lose the House. That's uh, coming up next. But let me share this with you. This is a woman who is described as a, a pastor in Squirrel Hill. So that's, a Pits- that's Pittsburgh, the area where, uh, of the synagogue, the Tree of Life synagogue, where 11 people were murdered. And President Trump went to visit yesterday with the First Lady, Melania Trump, and some people were unhappy about that. And this is a woman who considers herself, I guess, a woman of God, screaming at Trump from a house a few, uh, like a block away. It's not about you! Let the families grieve! This is our neighborhood! You are not welcome here! Sorry. We don't want him here. We don't want him on our streets. We have people that can't sit shiva because you're blocking our streets. These people can't grieve. You're causing them pain. You don't belong here. This is our neighborhood. You don't belong here. Well, that's something. Congressman Mark Meadows joins us next. I'm Tony Katz. Happy Halloween. I don't know where you are, but here it's going to rain. Miserable children. It's no way to live. It's no way to be. And when it rains, it means they're just going to eat candy anyway and just run around in the house. So, miserable parents. I mean, <laughs> that's just that's just the way it goes down. Tony Katz today, 833 got Tony, 833-468-8669. Congressman Mark Meadows. Uh, joins us right now from North Carolina's 11th uh, district, uh, also a member of the Freedom Caucus, and it's it's good to have you here, sir. You know the the midterms just a week away, and not just in my beloved Indiana in the Midwest that I cover so extensively are there some uh, serious races. Uh, they're everywhere uh, as you see it. What are the House races that you think people should be really looking at uh, come election day? Well, I, across the, the country, you're going to look at, at not just Indiana Senate race, but you're going to look at, at what's going to happen in what I would call those heartland, Illinois, Michigan, Virginia, North Carolina. And that's going to determine whether Republicans keep uh, the House and whether it's going to be a Speaker Pelosi or not. Uh, right now, uh, things are trending in our way, and we're looking forward to keeping it, but it's, it's, uh, every vote's going to matter. 
Let's let's keep it to the Midwest uh, then, because we have the president of the United States coming back to Indiana on Friday. He'll then be here on Monday. The vice president is joining him on Friday. And you take a look at this Senate race and you say, you mean they don't need the help more in Florida where you've got a Senate race and, and a governor's race? They might not need it uh, in, in Montana where you've got uh, Rosendale within the margin of error with the current senator, the Democrat, John Tester, but still not overcoming that margin of error. Um, what, in, as you see it, do you think makes Indiana, makes the Midwest so important? Well, it's the values that Indiana typically holds. And what happens is, you know, you send a senator and we call your, your current senator in Indiana, Joe No-No Donnelly. And, uh, you know, he basically is willing to go along with the leadership, uh, Chuck Schumer's leadership in, in the Senate. And so, uh, it, it's a natural alliance with you know those Midwestern values, and, and candidly, having the president and the vice president come uh, multiple times is really just speaking to the heart of, of uh, those Midwestern values. And, and yes, is Montana important and Florida important? Uh, certainly, they are. I know the president's headed headed to uh, Florida today, but uh, outside of that, uh, there's no state more important than Indiana right now in terms of the, the, the makeup of the Senate. Talking to Congressman Mark Meadows of the 11th District of North Carolina. You can also uh, find him on Twitter uh, because, you know, everybody is on Twitter at Rep Mark Meadows, M-E-A-D-O-W-S. Uh, one of your last uh, tweets, uh, sir, was a retweet of Congressman uh, Jim Jordan, who joined you there in that Freedom Caucus. Uh, 20 months under President Trump's leadership, taxes cut, regulations reduced, fastest economic growth. Uh, lowest unemployment in 40 years, wages rising, out of the Iran deal, embassy in Jerusalem, hostages home from North Korea, new NAFTA, Justices Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, and 80-plus judges confirmed. With all of that success, why is the House of Representatives a toss-up? You know, I think part of it is the divisive way that we are uh, campaigning so many times uh, across the country. And, and really, the previous administration got judged more on, on charm and appeal and less on results. If you voted just on results, uh, this would be a, a red wave of uh, gigantic proportion. And yet a lot of people, uh, they, they want to, to put a check on this president. They want to say, uh, we, we, uh, we want to make sure that he has Democrats that are willing to impeach him and so forth. But I can tell you, you can't, you can't uh, really uh, go against the successes that this administration has had. You've listed them all there. But even, even today, as we start to look at the, the uh, salary and wage growth uh, being at the highest in a decade, you've got an economic growth uh, that is, is really uh, historic in terms of uh, modern history. And, and additionally, you've got unemployment down at, at rates that, that, quite frankly, we have not seen uh, in, in sometimes 50, 60 years. So uh, the economy is humming, uh, but more importantly, the president, and uh, he is performing and actually uh, fulfilling those promises that, that he made on the campaign trail when he was in Indiana seeking uh, the, the presidential nod uh, back in 2016. Congressman, one of the things surprisingly that came up in the Senate debate, when I say surprisingly, tariffs were not mentioned in the Indiana Senate debate uh, last night, um, yet Saudi Arabia was and it seems that in our ever moving news cycle there seems to be no talk now of the murder of Jamal Khashoggi um 
But there is, however, ramifications about what's going to happen. Our trade deals with them, uh, the sell, sale of uh, arms over, over $100 billion. Then, of course, relationships uh, within the area and U.S. foreign policy, which is to consider Iran public enemy number one, which requires, it requires a, a relationship with Saudi Arabia. Where are you? Where is the Freedom Caucus on the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? The president started by agreeing with uh, Mohammed bin Salman and now uh, says that there needs to be some type of of punishment, if you will. That's that's my word. Uh, what do you think a punishment should be? How should we be reacting with Saudi Arabia? And should it be on the back burner? Well, I don't think it should be on the back burner. Obviously, addressing it, you can't have a free press and and, and really a, a country working towards democracy, of which obviously Saudi Arabia is not. Uh, but you, you've got a regime change. You've, you've got uh, you know part of their royal group. Um, you know, my understanding is is uh, there could be some some uh, ailments of Alzheimer's, and as they start to pass the baton to this new regime. We've got to be very firm in the fact that not only journalists, but all those that are willing to speak out uh, are protected. And and if we do not have the moral compass there, uh, then no one will. That being said, it's a difficult uh, neighborhood. You know, you've got to have those relationships to fight back against uh, uh, the Iran regime. And obviously, Saudi Arabia has has helped us recently in that and and, uh, worked with our ally Israel in the, in the region. I'm on the Foreign Affairs Committee, and we look at this and actually was just looking at, at the relationship. How do you push back? Well, I think you have to do some with some very uh, hard diplomacy, canceling uh, uh, military contracts I'm not in favor of. If, if they don't buy it from the United States, they're going to buy it from Russia or China. Uh, but yet at the same time, we've got to find real real ways to put leverage. The president's been willing to do that with other countries, and I think he's willing to do that with Saudi Arabia as well. Talking to Congressman Mark Meadows, the 11th District of North Carolina, and of course uh, the House Freedom Caucus. Before I let you go, uh, and and uh, I appreciate the words on you know what's going on here in the Midwest, but I if I if I don't utilize the chance to ask you some some uh, foreign policy questions, especially as a Freedom Caucus guy, which is more how I align uh, for sure. I referred to Iran as public enemy number one. Would you describe Iran as public enemy number one, and how would you rank them uh, regarding China and their military buildup and the theft of uh, U.S. information, technologies, etc. And Russia, as they continue to try and have conversations about what they think of uh, Estonian blocks, what they think of the Ukraine, and how they continue to operate on a world stage. Uh, listen, I've, uh, you and I both come from a conservative belief that a, a strong uh, presence in the, on the national stage will thwart some of those bad actors that you just talked about. The Iran nuclear deal, of which Joe Donnelly actually supported – uh, was was a bad deal. It was going to guarantee Iran had nuclear weapons, and we saw what happened with North Korea. We were on the same traje- trajectory there, and so the president was right to push back on that. Uh, outside of that, uh, you have uh, both China and Russia that are starting to be held in check. China, in particular, uh, is starting to see that we mean business. I'm not a big one that's in favor of tariffs. And yet um, it does look like they're coming to the negotiating table now uh, to make sure that that they don't manipulate their currency and basically buy uh, market share 
by dumping their their cheap products uh, against U.S. Uh, made products. So, uh, is is Iran? It's Iran certainly the number one threat in the Middle East. I'd say over overarching that, uh, China would be the number one globally, and we've we've got to figure a way to make sure that they respect the United States. I believe that this president is is doing that, and quite frankly, it's it's one of the things that we've got to make sure that we weigh in on. You know, I thought that was going to be the last question. I know I'm probably keeping you over time, but you brought no, up something. You're good. That, you're good. Oh, well, in that case, uh, how are the kids? <laughs> I mean, I'll go, I'll go down the whole road. Um, you brought up something interesting about the Iran nuclear deal, also known as the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Senator Joe Donnelly, Indiana, in that tough Senate race in Indiana, keeps discussing how imperative that deal was, how important because the Iranians were just what, 10 days away from being able to uh, make a nuclear weapon, and that deal stopped them. Uh, Congressman Meadows, did the uh, Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, did the Iran deal stop Iran from moving towards a nuclear weapon and save the world? Well, it did not, and I can tell you, Joe, if he's making that kind of, of comment, he's someone who has not read the deal and his, understands that there's not a way to actually verify what Iran's doing. You know, it's, it's amazing. They, they enter into a deal. They um, and immediately do not comply with that deal. And we had a previous administration who said, well, you know, what is really noncompliance? What's the definition of noncompliance? I, I can tell you that, yeah, they may have been uh, months away from a nuclear deal, but now uh, even with this deal, their, their uh, uh, what we would call the breakout time is less than a year. So what they have to understand is when we say no, we mean business, and we're going to hold them accountable. Uh, and, and part of this, you know, the Iran nuclear deal, uh, when you start looking at some of the other negotiations that went on, I could, it's not too long for me to remember that there was, pile, uh, you know, literally piles of cash sent to Iran who, and that cash probably ended up in the hands of terrorists. Now, how can U.S. dollars end up in the hands of terrorists? We've got to be firm on that. But Joe was wrong on his uh, applauding the Iran nuclear deal. Anybody that's read it understands the deficiencies of it. Congressman Mark Meadows, 11th District of North Carolina House Freedom Caucus, Rep. Mark Meadows, M-E-A-D-O-W-S, on the Twitter box. Sir, a pleasure. I hope to have you back. Look forward to being back with you. Take care. God bless. Absolutely, sir. Much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz. Eight. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Uh, there's been a debate that got started on my morning show and that I want to put an end to here because I'm trying to help everybody have uh, the most fantastic Halloween humanly possible. And 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 I don't I don't appreciate people messing with Halloween at all. It's it's the one holiday that we're supposed to be able to say, oh, this is fun. And we've ruined it in every way possible with our political correctness. We ruined uh, Thanksgiving because it's an attack on indigenous people. And we ruined Christmas because, you know, Jesus. And we ruined, uh, you know, uh, uh, Tishbov. Be- you don't even know what Tishbov is. Don't worry about it. Three Jews are like, 
is so true. And now we've ruined Halloween. Well, within the Halloween, however, we can at least agree that candy is great, unless, of course, you're a person who believes that no one should eat candy. Um, and there's been a conversation about what is the proper way to pronounce Reese's, like a Reese's peanut butter cup, which is one of the finest candies ever made. The argument is, is it Reese's or is it Reese's? I want to make sure that we're clear. It's Reese's. It is a Reese's peanut butter cup. It is not a Reese's peanut butter cup. And no, it's not different when it's the cup or when it's the pieces. Because when it's a Reese's peanut butter cup, it's a Reese's peanut butter cup. And when it's Reese's pieces, it's a mistake. You see the difference? You see how that works? It belongs as a peanut butter cup, not to try and imitate M&Ms. That's wrong. We shouldn't imitate. That's cultural appropriation. It's like you people learned absolutely nothing. Overheard. Here's Brian. Oh, you know, life could be so sweet. If every night was a night to go trick or treat. Trick or treat. Wouldn't it be sweet? Trick or treat. Just a trick or treat. Oh, I just love Halloween. I just love it. All right, we got a few new costume regulations going into effect for 2018, so listen up, everybody. Black folk, you may not dress up as white people. White folk, you may not dress up as black people. This means no Diana Ross, all right? You also may not dress up in a sombrero. You may not dress up as one 1,024th Native American Asian people. Well, actually, no one ever seems to give you folks any trouble, as you were. No one is to dress up as Muhammad. Not under any circumstance. Now then, some costumes you might consider as an alternative. A pumpkin, maybe dress up as a carrot. Possibly a letter of the alphabet with the exception of the letter N because people might think you're dressing up as the N-word, which would be very bad. You know what? Forget it. Everybody just wear a nice dress or a suit and tie. Liberals ruined Halloween just like they ruin everything. Everybody, party's over! Liberals it up. For everybody, so let's just go home! Hey, if you missed last night's Indiana Senate debate, it was quite the rousing fun time, children. Conjunction, junction, what's your Yeah! Function? I got an button or they'll get you pretty far. Ooh, grammar, fun, fun, fun. All right, Senator Joe Donnelly, give it a go. This will be a good time. Our state director is Indian American. But he does an amazing job. Oh, damn it, Joe. Come on. Didn't you watch Schoolhouse Rock? All right, pay attention. And that's an additive, like this and that. But that's sort of the opposite. Not this, but that. Are we clear? All right, give it another try. Our director of all constituent services, she's African-American. But she does an even more incredible job than you could ever imagine. Damn it, Joe! Hey, you know who is definitely not a racist? Hillary Clinton! I don't want to paint with a broad brush. Every immigrant is this, every African-American is that. Good for you. Be the change, babe. You know, that is, that's childish. What do you think of Cory Booker's, and you didn't comment on him, and you feel free to... Oh, I, I adore you know, What do you think about him saying, kick them in the shins, essentially? Start to get to that kind of political... Well, that was Eric Holder. Yeah, Eric Holder. Oh, Eric Holder, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know they all look alike. Whoops-a-daisy! By the way, old girl turned 71 years young last week. That's right, one year closer to being powdered up for a pine box party. Everybody help me out and sing happy birthday to her now. Happy birthday to you. In case you missed it, by the way, Hillary's considering a 2020 presidential run. Jack, you want to take this one? You out of your f***ing mind. Hey, I wonder what Hillary Clinton is going for his Halloween this year. Sometimes the children feel that she's a very mean witch, and I expect she does seem that way, 
But I always think that there are two things about her. She does enjoy everything that she does, but she also is what we sometimes refer to as frustrated. She's, she's very unhappy because she never gets what she wants. Mm. Mr. Rogers, you know, most of us get something along the line, but as far as we know, that witch just never got what she wanted. Hot dog, I finally understand Hillary a little bit better now. That makes sense, it really does. Well, she talked like this. It's very nice to see you. <laughs> oh, that would be fun to be able to talk like <laughs> Oh, this is fun. Hillary, you give it a try, babe. <laughs> awesome. It's got a beat, and you can lose an erection to it. Happy Halloween, all. Producer Brian Baker, we're going to have to have some words. <laughs> we're going to have to have some real words. But conjunction, junction, well done. Yeah, that... That Joe Donnelly clip is something else. And the interesting thing about the Joe Donnelly clip is that if he were a Republican, you would not have heard that here first. You would have heard it everywhere. It would have filled your social media feeds. It would have been top news on all outlets. Hour two coming up. Don Lemon talking. Oh, Jews don't buy Ben and Jerry's. That's coming up.